Hi, welcome to the RCP Medicine Podcast. My name is Risa and I'm one of the Clinical Education Fellows at the RCP. My background is in emergency medicine. And joining me today is Andrew one of our acute medicine consultants. Hi, Raitha. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm, um, I've trained in acute medicine and I'm also a senior clinical education fellow at the Royal College of Physicians in the education department. Thank you for joining me. So I was hoping we could have a conversation about teaching opportunities on the shop floor. I think you'd agree that right now the NHS is busy, we're sort of struggling to some degree with patient numbers and sort of time pressures, lack of staff, road issues, you name it. And I think teaching seems to be the first thing that tends to get put to a side. Would you agree when things are really busy? I think that's definitely something that happens. People see it as a add-on rather than like a, an important integral part of like the daily workload. Do you think we should be able to integrate teaching into everyday work rather than having fixed sort of rostered rotten sessions? I think there's a, a wealth of information by just doing the day-to-day -day job that you can utilize as learning opportunities and teaching moments. Um, so I know that it's really busy, but I think the objective of what we're trying to say is that we want to integrate teaching into like everyday practice rather than seeing it as a separate standalone thing that, you know, you have to do a PowerPoint presentation for that's not necessary. You can really try and integrate teaching moments in your everyday clinical work. So what are the times of day or when during a, a shift on the acute medicine ward would you say is a good time to try and integrate some teaching? So that's, I think there's lots of opportunities. So you can do it, you know, there's a morning handover. You could do, you know, you've got, I know you've got the night team that want to get home, but you could spend a few minutes highlighting some learning points. Um, there's board rounds that happen where you could highlight some specific patients and talk around those and do a bit of teaching around that. Um, there's the ward round itself where there's lots of um, opportunities for teaching. Um, and then you can do like a debrief after the ward round. So there's lots of opportunities on the ward where you can definitely teach. And are we saying these are ad hoc or would this be something that you would have informed your junior colleagues of beforehand? So I think it's easier if you get to know your team beforehand. So I know a lot of people are reporting that, you know, they don't see the same juniors every day and there's that lack of continuity. But spending a few minutes at the beginning of, say, a ward round or even in A&E for you, the beginning of a shift by saying, you know, everyone introducing each other, getting to know the team a little bit and then discussing, like, your expectations for that, for what's about to happen. So, you know, you could say it's extremely busy today you know we're on call or there's like 30 patients to be seen and you might say I want you to observe the following things and then we're going to do a debrief later on in the week or next week and um, so you're not losing those opportunities or you could say you know I want you to see this patient and discuss it with me and we're going to do it in like a, a structured way um, or you could role model behaviors and just ask them to 
pick up on things that they are observing and what they're going to take forward what's their like learning points from that activity i think a really good point you mentioned is if we introduce ourselves at the start of the day then i suppose particularly when you're working with juniors that you may not have worked with before it gives you an opportunity to know what their different grades are and what their backgrounds are which yeah probably help when it comes to teaching because I think, would you agree that there's always an opportunity to teach the same scenario in a different way to to colleagues of different grades, as in you can tailor your questions differently? Yes. So there's like effective questioning where you might start with some more basic principles with the more junior staff and then go on to like higher order thinking with the more senior staff. But trying to figure out what they want from the day, you know, what are their objectives for the day? We were talking about it the other day where you said, you know, get everyone together at the beginning. And then if there's some cases that your juniors or medical students want to see, you can highlight them throughout the shift. Absolutely. I think ultimately we all have a portfolio to keep and different training programs can sometimes very clearly define, for example, you know, an expectation of having seen a patient with chest pain or having seen a patient with hematuria. So there may be specific presentations that they're very keen to talk about or to discuss. And I guess via this teaching, you can also help them simultaneously work on their portfolio. Yeah, so you can, I, you know, highlighting those patients is really, is really good so that they can get their portfolio done. And you can use workplace-based assessments in a more proactive way. So asking them, does anyone want to do one? Um, and then sort of tailoring specific learning points to, rather than seeing it as a tick box exercise you can see it as a more as how they were supposed to be used in the first place as a way to facilitate learning yep so i'm sure you're familiar with the never too busy to learn document it mentions in there learning with patients what are your views on learning with patients or learning away from the bedside what would you prefer and do you think there's a role for both i think there's definitely a role for both so there's lots of top tips in the never too busy to learn document about how you can really maximize learning with patients so they do split it up into like ward rounds the acute take outpatients so there's lots of helpful tips anyone can use as an inspiration for their teaching on their ward rounds or take or in clinics so as i mentioned you know often when it's really really busy and amy is absolutely slammed what often happens is the medical team comes down to any and runs their ward rounds from the department just because the waiting times are so prolonged and i think would you agree that the, the same sort of ad hoc teaching can also take place in a and e yeah people can you know there's no reason why maybe if an a and e doctor is you know referred a patient there's no reason why they can't be part of that discussion as well, you know, for them to learn what the medics would do as the next steps. But you can still do the, a similar type of thing as what you do on the ward. So, you know, one of the things that is quite helpful, I think, is the idea of thinking out loud. So you're talking through your own decision-making process um, and sort of drawing attention to the to your team of the important elements of, of what you're doing things that you want them to pick up from this specific case and it helps them understand sort of your train of thought so rather than being given like a jobs list because you've been engaged in that 
process of what's the diagnosis, what we what investigations are we going to do, what's the management plan. It's no longer just a, a jobs list of things that you have to complete by the end of the day. You know why you're doing them and you know why you're requesting those investigations and you know what you're going to sort of start to anticipate what you're going to do with those results and what the next steps are. So I think that's a really useful way if you're really busy and there's not much space, but just the simple action of thinking out loud and talking through the, the cases with the team is really important. I think that's actually an extremely powerful point that you've just made. We've all been a junior doctor at a point where we were just asked to go and you know, request an urgent CT thorax without any sort of clear explanation as to why. And often what happens is when you sit down and try to request the scan, you think, you know, it, it, often some of these requests say, what is the diagnosis that you're looking for or what is the clinical question? And you think, hold on a minute, I'm not quite sure. And sometimes, as you would have noticed yourself on ward rounds, seniors examine a patient ask a few questions and then they just say get me an echo but they don't say what they're thinking yeah as why we've just moved from a discussion about one symptom to then getting an echo and i think it's very powerful what you said there is active specific teaching where you sort of say to someone i'm going to teach you now about when we request an echo and then there's a teaching that you can sorry there's the learning that you can acquire from as you said someone talking through their processes and it just makes things clear without directly saying, I'm now teaching you. That's a really powerful way to learn, actually. And you can then probably relate it. And you might, what you might find is if you're talking through a plan, when those juniors then go away and clerk in a patient on their next sort of on-call shift, they may see a similar presentation, understand that this case is similar to what they saw previously, or the symptoms fit similar. And actually, perhaps it would be useful to request, for example, in this scenario, an echo for that following patient as well because they can see the presentation mimicking yeah they can see that link and i think the other thing to mention is often there are some decisions that we make that we assume everyone around us understands to why we've made them you know decisions based on the fact of imaging based on the fact that this patient is on anticoagulants or isn't on anticoagulants or the fact that they're an asthmatic and therefore they can't have a particular medication or a particular procedure often I think we just make a decision um without realizing that the most junior members of our team may not have realized that link already yeah so perhaps yeah talking through is actually a very good way of teaching without directly saying we're now going to start a teaching session yeah I think there's a lot of teaching and learning that happens by sort of by observing these sorts of behaviors or you know requesting the tests and stuff and people see it maybe as service provision but you need to sort of reframe it in your mind that it's not just service provision you are you know when you request an investigation as an f there's a big difference between someone just starting out their career requesting an investigation and a, someone who's much more au fait with with what they're doing the you can really see you know you can see that difference that you've become much more efficient in what you're asking. You've become much more specific. Um, so you, that's a learning process that happens over a number of years, which is a learning process, but some people do just see it as service provision, but it's sort of part of never too busy to learn is reframing how you perceive what you're doing day to day rather than just seeing it as, oh, they don't care. We're just doing, you know, it's jobs list. There is actually a point to, you, there are learning opportunities 
that you can take from that. I agree. But I think the the only way that a, a very junior member of the team would appreciate that would be, as you said, because someone is getting them involved in the sort of ward round, the decision-making, the planning, the open discussion, rather than just being asked to behave as a scribe of the jobs list. It can feel like that. I'm sure we've all felt like that. Yeah. So, but it's that realisation that someone cares about my learning that makes people more passionate about their day-to-day job. Um, do you think there's a role where you could actually get the juniors sort of in control of their teaching as well? So, for example, you know, you may have a few sessions where you have taught. Do you think there's a way that you could actually turn the tables and expect them to get actively involved in some of the teaching on their individual experiences that they may have come across? So I think it's about their engagement as well. And I think it's about us setting the tone for learning. So if I, you know, meet a new team and I say, you know, I'm really interested in education. I want you to develop. I want you to learn. It gives them that permission to sort of start seeking out learning opportunities. And they know that they're going to be supported through that. And they're going to be, you know, you're approachable as someone that they can see that they can approach, you know, for, for them to learn and ask questions. So I think role modeling, like being a learning role model is quite an important thing, but it doesn't all have to fall on to you either. You know, there's other members of the multidisciplinary team. So, you know, as a consultant, you've got your reg where they could take on some teaching elements of the ward round uh, you know the pharmacists that are part of the mdt or the physios can also engage in that sort of learning process um, and there's obviously things that you know someone asks you a question and you don't know well that's a really good opportunity for you as a team to go away and learn about it and then sort of come back and discuss it as a team so i think it's all about the environment that you sort of create for everyone and um, to give them that permission to to be inquisitive and be continuously thinking, oh, I need to learn more. I want to be better and I want to be, I want to develop. I agree. If you give the impression that, you know, no question is silly and, you know, it is essentially never too busy to learn, you know, it's never too much for you to ask a question, then I think your juniors are more likely to get engaged and involved and keen to learn and keen to participate. An interesting thing that I experienced when I worked in Riddenshot in e is we used to have weekly teaching. And as part of that, we used to have a 10-minute slot where we had one of the team members allocated to share an interesting case that they had experienced during the previous week. So it could be something that you saw, for example, where you know either the, the condition was very rare and very rarely seen or it could be that the symptoms presented were classical or not classical, or there was a very exciting imaging that went with your case, or there was a complication that you hadn't expected. So it was something that you found interesting that you thought everyone could learn from. I think that may be another way that we can encourage teaching in medicine is by asking, you know, sort of rostering names on a rotor and asking juniors. And again, like you mentioned at the very start, this isn't about having PowerPoints, having handouts. You know, often a lot of learning that happens just happens, for example, you know, from a conversation in the corridor or at the end of a wall down or just in the doctor's office when you sort of tell your juniors or your colleagues, oh, that CT showed X, Y, Z, and it causes lots of conversation. And I think if we were to get our juniors to put their names down and say, 
I want you to pick a case that you saw this week that you learned something from, or you found interesting, or you found challenging, and then just tell your colleagues about it next week. That may be another way that we can turn the tables and make them feel that they're in charge of the learning as well. What do you think? Yeah, it would definitely empower them to... And then they'd be always looking for that extra interesting case, wouldn't they? They'd always be on the hunt in A&E to find the the best case study. It could be a little competition. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely about... It's a good idea to have them, you know, identify what they want to learn and <laughs> help facilitate them learn that. Um, and those discussions are, you know, valuable. Absolutely. Uh, and also, I guess, things like you know, diagnosis, prognosis, management plan, those slightly more challenging things, which when you first start out as a junior, you know, you can write down your findings from your history and your findings for your, from your clinical examination. But when it comes to impression and when it comes to a management plan, that's the bit where you sort of think, oh, let me go run this by someone. But we need to encourage, I guess, that sort of decision-making as well, don't we? And teaching will probably help learners progress in that way as well. Um, anything else that you found particularly interesting from Not Too Busy to Learn that you would want to incorporate in your day-to-day work? Um, one of the f- fun case studies that they've used are, um, it's in the section called like, Utilising Brief Learning Moments and it's called the Tea Trolley Training. Um, so one of, so they, they essentially have the tea trolley with tea maybe some snacks, drinks, with some learning materials on it. Um, So they go around and the idea is that you have a drink, you have a snack, um, but you're also, like, educated at the same time. So, you know, maybe there's, like, a new policy that's come out um, or some new protocols or a new drug or whatever. Um, But it's, like, this bite-sized moment of teaching along with a refreshment um and it i think doing it that way really facilitates that multidisciplinary learning so everyone on the ward can participate in that it's not just doctors teaching doctors it's very much a multidisciplinary thing um so i think it's a, I, th- I really like that as an idea of having a little drink and learning something and the the importance of it is it's not like an hour-long lecture it's a bite-sized teaching moment, which is when you're busy, you don't want like a lot of information. You want little snippets of information. And then if you're particularly interested, you can go and have a look at it in more detail afterwards. But at least you've delivered the, the, that bite-sized teaching in the moment. Absolutely. I think as a doctor in training, I'd appreciate lots of bite-sized moments versus you know, a one-off robust lecture and much rather appreciate lots of bite-sized learning. And as you mentioned, it's relevant in the moment. The other thing you mentioned is the multidisciplinary team being involved. I think there's lots we can learn from our allied healthcare profession, professionals on the ward. Often what you we find is that, you know, a pharmacist notices a particular thing on a drug chart that needs changing either an error or a lack of consideration for renal function or prescribing in a way that the thing is not particularly safe. And what they usually do is they will seek out that individual who prescribed and run this decision with them and ask if they're happy to amend. 
But actually, if we did tree trolley teaching, like you mentioned, there's an opportunity for everyone to learn something from the speech and language therapist or from the pharmacist, you know, something interesting that they saw on, on a prescription chart this morning that is, uh, you know, key that everyone can benefit from learning or knowing about. Those sort of things, you know, there's a wealth of knowledge that all our colleagues have that we don't necessarily tap into. There's this no real reason for that, is there? I think there's lots of learning that can benefit everyone. One of the other examples in the Never Too Busy to Learn is what they call druggles, where they do essentially what you just sort of described, you know, rather than just telling the person that who made a prescription error or they get everyone together once a week, they talk about, they review like the prescribing errors for that week and then even as a team, they can talk about systems that can reduce errors from happening, um, which I think is a good way of, you know, addressing patient safety and education at the same time. And then they do a bit of teaching on a specific drug or a specific new protocol that's come out or something. But I think that's a good way of integrating, you know, patient safety, service improvement and learning and teaching all in one. Agreed. I, I guess this is the bottom line, isn't it? that we need to move away from the idea that teaching always needs to involve, you know, anatomy or physiology or, you know, very specifically, you know, there's pharmacology, there's interesting findings on examining a patient, there's interesting notes to, you know, take into consideration when it comes to like holistic care. You may have a, a really robust management plan, but actually there are changes that are needed because that individual in front of you, for example, has a learning disability or, you know, they have a physical disability and therefore that management plan that would have been absolutely sufficient for another patient doesn't work for this individual. So there's tailoring programs. There's so much that you can learn on sort of small moments of teaching and award that I think, you know, regular short bursts of teaching would be very valuable and it will certainly help the morale of junior doctors who at the moment are finding the NHS to be a very, very busy place to work. I think part of that you know, you want to feel valued as part of the team and that you're that you're wanted there. Whereas if you're just, you know, scribe on a ward round, you don't really feel that sense of being part of the team. Um, but teaching and just taking those, you know, few moments in the day to to do a bit of teaching or do a bit, you know, ask them a few questions, get them thinking, maybe get them doing something a little bit different can really make a big difference to someone that's feeling a bit like there's a lot of pressure, a bit overwhelmed, but feeling valued and being seen as, you know, a priority to make their experience on that unit better can go a long way to improving morale. Agreed. And teamwork as a whole. And I guess we just need to remember that all of these juniors are in a teaching program and therefore teaching is key and it shouldn't be seen as the first thing that we get rid of. Um, yeah. when it comes to, you know, pressures. Well, thank you very much, Andriki, for all your suggestions and your ideas. I think Never Too Busy to Learn is a fantastic document that we need to encourage everyone to have a look at. It's well written and very easy to look through. Please find a link to the document in the description below. Thank you for your time and for your suggestions and your ideas. And I hope that this podcast will help all those listening find a brief moment in which they can teach and change the morale in their teens. 
Thank you very much. Thank you.